0: Here is a pastoral letter on the return to church and vaccine mandates. Friends in Christ, the government has released a pathway to greater movement and gathering once New South Wales hits 70% double COVID vax rates. It means title limits continue on those not fully vaccinated or without medical exemption. The government says this vaccine mandate will apply to churches along with masks, no singing, and the four metres squared per person capacity rule. For how long has not been made clear. This has led to debate within the Christian community. I'm thankful not to have seen much dissension at St Michael's, but no doubt there are different opinions. It seems we have two major scriptural priorities which pull in opposite directions, at least at first glance. The first is the priority of gospel unity, The second is the priority of neighbour love. Both connect closely to trusting Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Let me unpack each and offer some further nuance and possible options. The priority of gospel unity flows from the fact that we are justified, or considered right with God, by faith alone, in Christ alone, and not by any good work we do nor by performing any ritual or extra condition we have to meet. So see Galatians 2, 15 and 16, for example. Therefore, we must never add circumcision or obedience to food laws or some cleanliness ritual, let alone some ethnic identity marker, as a requirement for entry to church, the body of Christ. So the Bible says, In Christ we are one, and there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, educated or otherwise. See Galatians 3.28, for example. So I add, in Christ, there's no vaccinated or unvaccinated. Whether seen as wise or foolish by others, we all need Jesus. That's our standard. Indeed, we remember that Jesus risked his own health to touch the outcast leper. Therefore, we are reluctant to do anything that undermines our unity in Christ. For this reason, Paul opposed Peter for drawing back from fellowship with Gentile believers who didn't obey the Jewish food laws, though some of Jewish origin complained. That's Galatians 2.11-14. It is really only for reason of church discipline over persistent, unrepentant sin that people are excluded. See 1 Corinthians 5. And yet, there are a couple of extra observations to offer under this heading. Already, not every believer can fully participate in a local church for various reasons, most obviously through being shut in at home or residential care through age or disability. But those who cannot speak in English are effectively excluded too. And those who refuse, for whatever reason, to complete a working with children check or safe ministry training are rightly excluded from ministry with children. If the government imprisons a person, justly or otherwise, they too are restricted from church. Others are asked to temporarily exclude their child from creche if they have a serious cold or gastro bug or if unvaccinated during a measles outbreak. Indeed, if such a person refuses to exclude themselves, that person is effectively excluding others who will not attend church because of the greater risks since they are immunocompromised or vulnerable by age or some other underlying health issue. So our fellowship as a church is imperfect even now. Yet when Paul was imprisoned, Colossians 4 verse 18, he still wrote to the Colossians, Though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how firm your faith in Christ is. That's Colossians 2.5. He makes this same claim in other letters too. So even when we cannot meet our fellow believers, our unity in Christ is not ultimately undermined. And although the Apostle John longs to see and talk to fellow believers face to face, so that our joy may be complete, he also knows that much can be done by writing to John 12. How much more in this day of telephone, email, live stream and video conference? Of course it's better to physically gather together, to demonstrate our unity in Christ and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So we are uncomfortable with the state dictating who can come to church, for example by banning the unvaccinated without just cause. There are serious matters of freedom, of association and religion here. We want to preach the gospel to all, and we want to model our unity in Christ. We certainly do not want to be forced to turn away the unvaccinated indefinitely. Yet, we are still united in Christ when we cannot all gather, and there are other ways of ministering to one another. Jesus said the second great command after loving God was to love your neighbour as yourself. So see Matthew 22, 34 to 40. And he extended it to our enemies. Rather than limit love to manageable levels or to those we find likeable, his parable of the Good Samaritan urges us to ask whom we could be a neighbour to. In fact, this love is a key marker of our Christian unity. And it's a witness to the sacrifice He made on the cross. So Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 13, 34-5 So people should not just think of their rights, but also their responsibilities to others. Don't just claim your freedoms. Ask how to serve your neighbours in love. Read Galatians 5 and verse 13. As a Christian minister, I'm not able to give advice as a qualified health professional. But we are grateful to God for his common grace gifts of science and medicine. So we ask all churchgoers to consider consistent advice that vaccination offers good protection to most. We are encouraged by Christian GPs, specialists, and senior nurses in our church and beyond as to the ethical acceptability and safety levels of the vaccination options available in Australia, and their merit for reducing the spread and severity of COVID. We understand that people have all sorts of concerns or hesitations. If it is an ethical one, we encourage you to discuss it with one of the pastoral staff. If it is medical, we can refer you to trusted Christian medical professionals with relevant qualifications. Of course, people can sincerely come to different conclusions about these matters. But a personal anxiety or suspicion is not necessarily a Christian conscience issue. Conscience is never absolute in Scripture. Consciences can be ignored or seared. One Timothy one nineteen and four verse two. Differences in conscience on a disputable matter should be respected. But sometimes consciences can be weak, and could be better educated. For example, one Corinthians eight. We include some resources below to assist with such considerations. Although complex, these observations provide assistance to Christian church leaders in responding to a vaccine mandate from the government that temporarily restricts the unvaccinated from attending church once we are permitted to reopen. What are some practical options? At present, it would be civil disobedience to reopen church services to all regardless of vaccination status. In fact, Insisting on it now would inevitably exclude vulnerable believers. It would demonstrate neither unity in Christ nor the neighbour love he exemplified. Since we never want to rush to civil disobedience, we have the choice of delaying the reopening of church until it is clarified how we can welcome everyone. However, that means everyone continues to miss out indefinitely on physical gathering at church. So reluctantly, I believe we have biblical justification for opening church services only to the fully vaccinated for a limited time, such as until the 80% vaccination level. Such a restriction should then be carefully reviewed. We could then move to making most congregations open to all comers while reserving one congregation for the fully vaccinated especially if among the group that normally attends that service are a significant number of vulnerable persons such as the friendship service. A similar option could be reserving the rear of the cathedral with ventilation or the hall for the double vaccinated only, but allowing all comers in the main body of the cathedral or or vice versa. We could also explore the provision of a recent perhaps 48 hours negative rapid COVID test as an alternative to proof of double vaccination. Any of these steps make it hard on volunteers and staff asked to police such requirements. But we consider such efforts out of gospel-shaped love for others. We also plan to continue to live stream our mid-morning Sunday ministry to all who tune in it is also likely double vaccination may be made a requirement for some leadership roles. Of course, in all this, we await further clarification from the government and advice from the Archbishop's COVID task force. Ultimately, we do not want to make it harder to get into our church than Jesus made it to enter the kingdom. And Jesus welcomed all, regardless of health or wisdom especially the sinner looked down on by the self-righteous. But we also insist that those who are justified by faith in Christ ought to be those who love their neighbours sacrificially, as Christ loved us. Sandy Grant, Senior Minister.